Join the family at The Sycamore, a Brandywine senior living community, scenically situated in historic Shrewsbury and conveniently located off Broad Street, directly across from the Monmouth County Library and Trader Joe's. The residents enjoy living life to the fullest, especially at happy hour in the pub. Join them for men's club in the library or visit with family at their amazing fire pit in the cooler months. The decision to move into a community is a big one and the team at Brandywine is here to help every step of the way. My name is Kate Santangelo. Welcome to the Monmouth Moms podcast, part of the Monmouth Moms Network. Listen in as we bring awareness to the best local resources for growing families in Monmouth County, New Jersey, chat with local moms and mompreneurs, highlight our favorite resources, local spots, restaurants, and more. Make sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Hi everyone! Welcome back to the Mammoth Moms podcast. It's been uh, it's been a couple minutes since we've um, since we've been here. We are here today with Rebecca and Nicole from Brandy Wine Living. Thank you so much for joining. Thank, Thank you for, for having, having us. us. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we tried to meet last week, and I was pulling out of my driveway and was uh, fun fact in my first car accident ever, <laughs> which is crazy. Not advised. <laughs> but um, in all, like you know, in, in all honesty, it was probably the best car accident to be because it was just a little fender bender my neighbor backed into me and um i was a little i was a little uh rattled so i called rebecca i'm like i don't think i can come <laughs> she's like okay i made my husband come like home from work he's like he's like he's fine, you're fine. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good husband answer <laughs> the co- i swear to god i was crying and the cops were there for five minutes and they're like Okay. Um, So I was like, what do I do? And the neighbor's probably like, my neighbor's insane. Um, So yeah, it was a really interesting experience. Wasn't meant to be last week. No, not meant to be. Not at all. Um, So I'm glad that we can finally reconvene, but everything's fine. The car's fine and I'm going to live. So happy to say. (laughs) We made Um, it through. But uh, yeah, it's always something. This June has been like a weird June. Not only like with the weather, but just like everything's been like, I don't know, it's been cooler than you would think and just like a little off. So I'm everyone's that, energy is different. Yes, it's I think okay. the tide needs to turn a little bit. We need yeah. like, a, we need more sun. We need yeah, a little bit more definitely. sun and a little bit more fun. Mm-hmm. in our lives at the moment. Yeah. So it's been, um, we're headed it's, that way. <laughs> it's been it's been really busy. It's Has been, it? We've been really, really busy. Oh, yeah. interesting. Yes. Mm-hmm. So Brandywine is an, uh, I'll actually let both of you explain it. So, yeah. And um, we'll talk about a little bit about what we're going to delve into today, which is a really important topic and a lot, m- most of which I know nothing about, but super key to learn more about as, you know, your parents are aging and you need to make choices for them for um, for the rest of their lives. So tell me a bit about what you do and um, about the business. 
So uh, Brandywine Living at the Sycamore, so our community is based in Shrewsbury, um, but we have 31 communities across the East Coast. Um, we are an assisted living and memory care community. Uh, we also have five locations in Monmouth County. So Nicole and I, uh, we are Director of Community Relations. So we do outreach in the community, but we also see families through the move-in process for their loved one. Um, and we specifically think that that's kind of really a big honor um, because we're when they are at the most vulnerable time in their life. Yeah. Um, so to handhold families and the new resident through is just, it's absolutely incredible. Um, so we're really just so lucky to do what we do and we're happy to be here because we think that it's kind of a topic that people are almost kind of afraid to broach. Yes. Um, but it's super important because it's, it's so kind important. of like the last phase of that person's life and someone that you love very much. So you have to get it right. So right. Um, we're really thankful to kind of just open that topic and just be a resource. Yeah. Um, did I get it right? <laughs> 1000%. Well said. Yes. So Rebecca and I connected through, uh, I guess, a, a possible partnership uh, through Mom with Moms. And back when we were having the Spring Festival, we mm -hmm. met and you graciously came to help volunteer that day. Thank I'll you so anything. much. I'll do anything. It was a great day. It was fun. And uh, we were t discussing, you know, different ways to to get the word out. And, you know, I had never really like you said, it's a it's an uncomfortable topic and not one that maybe if it, the thought does enter your head, you're like, I don't need to deal with that. My parents are healthy. They're mm -hmm. well. They help me babysit. You know, it's not something within the realm of like what you think about. And you'd, I personally wouldn't want to think about it. My mom is a very um, is an amazing mother. And. And I talk to her almost every single day. She's been a huge part of our lives. And I don't like I don't even want to think about, it's you know, hard. that next phase of, of mm -hmm. her life. Um, and in my father as well. And they're just they're a big part of our lives, right? And like thinking of them as becoming, you know, less able to to do things is is scary, right? So but you also need to figure out like what the best you know, the best role in, you know, for for their next phases. So what does that look like? Does that look like they just start declining in terms of their health? Is it, are a lot of parents like living with their, their on their own? Are they living with um, maybe like one of their children and that is starting to not work out? Like what is kind of, is it all, all, all of the above? <laughs> I think there's, there's many different situations, um, you know, uh, a lot of times we will see crisis, crisis moments, moments right. um, which, which are, are um, they're scary, um, they're scary. You know, it's you know, where, where it's where the sandwich generation. generation. We are all, we're parents to our children, we're children to our parents, and then all of a sudden we're left holding, you know, the responsibility of taking care of everyone. Mm -hmm. So when that does happen. There's been maybe, um, you know, an incident with injury or, like you said, they start to decline or there's maybe a diagnosis that exists and um, the, that us as that sandwich generation, we start to see the change um, and they come to us and they're like a, a deer in headlights right. and they yeah. just do not know where to start. Right. Um, so like Rebecca said, we just want to be that resource to our families, um, you know, to try to guide them through what that process looks like, you know, um, give them the education that they need, whether their loved one is in a hospital setting or, you know, um, maybe they are at home or now they move their parents in with them. So there's so many different situations that we do see. Yeah. But um, I, I don't think that it 
it, whatever the situation is, it doesn't take away from how they feel at that moment. Right. And I think that's the biggest part of it. No matter what it is, um, we have to be empathetic and compassionate to what they're going through because it doesn't matter that we've done it a hundred times. Right. You it's, know, it's, it's so specific. To them. It is. Right. Mm -hmm. Interesting. So is it usually the parent that has kind of come to terms with wanting to, or is it, is it the, is mostly the children? Yeah. It's the children. It usually starts with the children. Um, in my time at Brandywine, I would say maybe 10 residents have said, I'm ready. I'm signing myself in. I'm so excited. Um, and I'm going to do this myself to take the burden off my children. Okay. Um, so it's usually the children kind of, kind of starting the conversation. And we tell our families, we say, you know, we get it. We completely understand that your mom or dad isn't doing carving cartwheels and running into our community and so excited to meet us. This is something that they've never really thought of or prepared for. They might look at it like, they're giving up so well, yeah. much of like, their That's how I would think, you know, yeah. you're going somewhere and it's like, this is your last phase. This is where I die, basically, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, And I think that we try to turn it around and make it so that this is where you're coming to live. Right. Yeah. You know, this is where you are going to really thrive in an environment that is going to be able to support you 24 hours a day, seven days a week with, you know, whatever it is, if it's the medical part of it that mm -hmm. you need or you just need more socialization or, um, you know, you maybe, like I said, maybe there was some unfortunate incident that, that now it's just, you know, it's just a safety aspect. So okay. It's, um, you know, we do try to point out all the amenities that we have and, and how we can make it so that they're coming to thrive and they're coming to live. Interesting. And I also think, too, that it is a really touchy conversation, especially death, um, that not everyone wants to talk about, yeah. but it's inevitable. Right. Um, and it's kind of looking at what that looks like. So if you're in a community with... Um, you know, services and care in place, then that's going to be a good, comfortable death. Interesting. Um, and that's something that we want our residents to age comfortably in place just within the safety net of the services we could provide to them mm -hmm. um, instead of maybe a scenario that's not so great and it's scrambling and things like that. So we really want to see them through comfortably with dignity, kind of that last phase. So it's, it's a good death. A lot of conversations, you know, families don't want to have that, but it's really looking at all aspects of living when you get to us, going to happy hour, but then also being really comfortable well taken care of, surrounded by your family right. when the time is right. Okay. So what, um, I'm sure you offer lots of different amenities and services. Um, if you have a family member who's very ill, if they have cancer, they have um, Alzheimer's, uh, is it something that you can take on that the role of, of their caretaker um, in all different phases of their illness? So one thing that we're really proud about um, at Brandywine Communities is that we always have nurses physically in the building at all times. Okay. Um, so with those nurses, we can see residents through a lot of changes of condition um, and we can keep them comfortable in our community. So that's a big deal to us. So when families are choosing us, we're saying to them at the beginning, you know, we want to help you. We want to care for your parent. But we really mean it that it's our goal that this is their last move and they're going to remain comfortably with us. Right. We would be able to manage their care. Okay. Um, a couple of things that we can't really accommodate in our community are skilled nursing need. Um, so that's something that you could find at a skilled rehab 
rehab setting where it's maybe a feeding tube or a ventilator, things like that we don't do in our community. I see. Um, but oftentimes, you know, all of our residents right now, they don't have those wishes. Okay. Um, so that's how we can care for them until end of life in our in our community. So what's the average age that you'll have someone enter? So statistically, you know, in um, our area, it's usually been about like 84, 86. Um, I mean, we have some residents we in their late 60s just have come yeah. to us just because of, you know, their individual needs and their diagnosis. And then we have had a resident who last she she was 108. Wow. And she just recently passed. Um peacefully surrounded by her family. We loved she her. had a scotch and water every night. <laughs> every it, night. So, <laughs> Love it. it makes me so, want to start liking scotch, but I'm not there yet. <laughs> me too. I'll stick with the wine for now. Yeah, it's doing fine. I know. About 10 years ago, I said to myself, I'm going to become like one of those like scotch drinkers. I used to sell wine. And I was always in like different wine events and liquors. I was uh, in that world, that realm. And I just never got there. And I'm kind of grateful that I did not. Probably wouldn't have gone so well. You might live to 108. It'll get you there. Yeah, it's so true. Um, But it's definitely a variety. So it's really just about finding that certain group, too. So she said, you know, we have residents in their late 60s, in their 70s. We have residents who still drive. Wow. Um, So we just give them a parking space. So truly, all aspects of that age range, you can be happy, you can be social um, in our community. So there's kind of a stigma thinking um, maybe a parent is like, oh, no, that's a nursing home. You're going to mm-hmm. put me away or you're never going to visit me or it's just terrible. There's beeping everywhere and things like that. And it's kind of um, just going against that. What were you going to say? Yeah, sure. I was going to say, I think, too, like, you know, when you're talking to somebody who's 70, 80, 90 years old, I mean, now you're really you're really going back into the, you know, early like the yeah. early 1900s or that the assisted living wasn't a thing. Mm. You know, I mean, assisted living is a fairly new concept. It, it was really started to come to life in the 80s, mm-hmm. 1980s. Oh, interesting. So when you look at somebody who's maybe, you know, 85 years old, they're like, I don't want to go into that nursing home. And the best part is we hear it all the time. I don't want to live with old people. So, you know, they still look at themselves as, you know, young, spry. Well, I can get that now. You know, I'm, I'll be 39 this month and I don't feel 39. I'm 21 at mm-hmm. heart. Exactly. <laughs> right. And you still feel the same. You know a lot more. Right. right. Um, and, you you know, you might not do the same things that you did when you're 21. But like you still feel like I can. I'm not 30. Like you read things in the paper, you're like 40. You're like, oh, yes. my gosh. That, yeah. Like you yeah, can't even imagine. <laughs> like, oh, wait, that's our age now. Yeah. So I get that. And yeah. I think one thing that's so interesting is a lot of, you know, potential residents and and family members, they think that they're losing something, um, but it's so incredible what they actually end up gaining Mm -hmm. when they don't have to worry about housekeeping, they don't have to worry about meals, Mm -hmm. they don't have to worry about walking upstairs, or our driver can take them places. They actually end up being more independent because it's a safer environment versus when they're at their home kind of lugging laundry up. Mm -hmm. Four flights of steps or mm-hmm. trying the to garbage make out. Yeah. Right. Getting the mail. Yes. So it's really interesting how much stronger they actually end up being because they don't have those little things to worry about at home. Okay. That's interesting. Yeah. So what does the process look like for a family that is interested in like, you know, maybe they think that, oh, like I can't I, I'd have to pay for my loved one to to stay there. And that's like completely out of the question. Um, what what is the process in terms of, you know, getting someone set up? 
So, uh, you know, I, I think the, the the biggest challenge is what we had kind of touched upon is, um, you know, n- noticing what does ready look like? Mm-hmm. You know, what does that what does it look like? Again, are we just noticing some changes, maybe cognitively or, um, you know, is there a medical diagnosis that is a progressive diagnosis and they have to start, you know, kind of forward thinking? Um, so. The, really, the first part is just, and it's the biggest part, it's the hardest part, is just picking up the phone to inquire. Mm. The hardest part is yeah. noticing that there is it's time to start making those calls and yeah. doing that research and then picking up the phone. Um, you know, I, I've, I've done so much training over the course of, you know, my career, and there was this one video, and I'll never forget it, that we... Um, that we did for our team and it was kind of what that looks like and everything that happens before families pick up the phone to call us mm-hmm. you know we we don't we don't often think about that you know everything that has happened so it's really just a matter of of picking up the phone making that call and then really just you know educating yourself about the services that are available mm-hmm. um, and finding a community that's going to be the right fit okay so very often um, you know we'll talk to families and they're like oh you know I have my spreadsheet and we're going to 14 different communities today and I know that I am not going to really I, I, you know how am I going to, what's going to set us apart? Mm -hmm. How am I going to make an impact on that person and what they think about our community? Um, So, you know, assisted living offers care and services and support. It's just finding that right fit. So that's such a big part of the process is, you know, what is going to be the best fit for my, for my loved one. And, um, you know, it's just, it's just, it's knowing what, what they want. Um, knowing what's going to be the good fit. Yeah, right. What are your like biggest, most important? We usually ask families, what is most important to you? And then we will also ask, okay, now what's most important to your parent? Mm-hmm. Because sometimes they're different. Mm-hmm. Um, care might be really important to a child and happy hour might be really important to their mom. Right. So that's how we kind of connect with them at first call. And then we kind of look to meld those two together because ultimately we want everyone to have the peace of mind um, and we want everyone to be happy because the parent has to sleep at night and so does the child. Yeah. Um, And I think one thing that Nicole said, you had said that, you know, the hardest thing is to kind of pick up the phone to call. And it is, I think, because there's so much anxiety behind it of not only the unknown or what's going to happen to my parent, but there's also an anxiety of who's going to pick up on the other line, Mm. um, who I'm going to be talking to. Is it someone that really cares about the healthcare industry and my parent and doing the right thing? Or is it someone that's going to give me a hard sell? So I think that that is where that anxiety comes from. So I, I, I think it's really important to know what's important to you in the decision-making process, but also how that person makes you feel. Yeah. It's kind of scary. Yeah. Um, so there's good communities out there where, where where people care, but then there's also people that are kind of looking to kind of shuffle you through. Right. So really go off of that gut feeling. Yeah. Um, and Nicole and I get it. So ultimately, we also say to our families, um, even if it's not our community, if it's not Brandywine, that's fine. We truly just want you to be happy and we just want to be a resource. Mm. So we're not just trying to move you in and, and, and make a cell for you. It, this is about you and how you feel. This is not like we're just like selling a car or something like that. It's really important. So there's a lot of anxiety that can kind of stem from the entire process in general. Right. 
Um, so we usually just make the recommendation to families to really just go off of your gut and how you feel. Yeah. If it doesn't feel right, then take a step back and kind of regroup um, and just start over. But we get why it's nerve wracking. Yeah. And I, yeah, I think mostly would, you would have to feel at home, right? Or not uh, close to home as you know, you possibly can without it being your mm -hmm. home and however long you've, you've lived in previous years. Um, what does it look like from a financial standpoint, from the children's perspective? I'm sure every scenario is different. Um, what, uh, you know, I, I know a little bit about it because I'll actually talk about this also. My uh, my grandmother lives in Ohio. She moved out there about 20 years ago. She always lived with us in New Jersey, or not with us. She lived in Red Bank and she before that they lived in Queens. Um, and then after my, grandma, my grandfather passed, she moved out to Ohio. She lived on her own. And she, um, my, aunt's mother-in-law lived in a facility there and it's gorgeous i've been there several times it's really nice and she always had so much fun so my grandmother was one of those few people that she elected she's like i want to live there a queen so, a true yeah. queen <laughs> um so she is believe me living it up at this place um and she'll come say like now she's with us in for a month in new jersey but then she'll go back and it's hysterical. I'll tell you some stories, but um, but she did elect to, to go. But they, you know, kind of had to finagle, um, not finagle, but set up. You know, my grandfather's uh, pension was, I guess, a part of it, and different, mm -hmm. um, you know, different assets they, that they had for her to then live there. You know, through the, the end of her life. Um, so, what do what is like the biggest thing to know going into this, and what is like something to even like prepare for if you know you know in the next five years that your parent might be, um, you know, a candidate for for going to into assisted living. This is so, like one of our yeah. favorite things to talk about. <laughs> I think um, such a big part also of what we do is, um, you know, yes, we know what the costs are and um, we know kind of how to take a look at that overall financial picture. But we're not the ones who have access to all of that from, you know, from from the from the financial, maybe a power of attorney standpoint. Mm -hmm. um, but also we are such resources, too. So we'll know is, you know, maybe is there um, is there a loved one who is a veteran? Um, you know, is there like you said, is there a pension? Right. Um, we can refer to elder care attorneys who are going to be able to kind of take a deeper dive into what the financial picture looks like. Okay. Um, you know, is there a home to sell? What does that monthly income look like? Um, you know, are there other assets that maybe aren't liquid at the time? Mm -hmm. Stocks, bonds, other investment um, accounts. So some of our families will come to us truly educated and prepared. Okay. You know, they've done their due diligence. They have already met with an elder care attorney. And then some other families have come to us and they're like, I don't even know where to start. Do you need an attorney in all cases? You don't need an attorney. I mean, I think that, you know, every financial situation is different. We're going to listen to what their, um, you know, to what their financial picture looks like. Mm -hmm. um, and we're going to make recommendations based upon what they're telling us. Okay. So, um, you know, it's, it's, it's the most important thing to remember is that there's a two-year private pay spend-down requirement in New Jersey, which is about the average. Mm -hmm. So all assisted livings in New Jersey, for the most part, um, are going to require that you pay privately for two years um, before you can be eligible for any type of um, assistance. And that would be like Medicaid, um, which that's a whole different conversation, you know, the difference between Medicaid and Medicare. Interesting. So, um, but from a financial picture, I mean, for the most 
most part, we can take a look at um, just the broad scope of what someone's finances look like and know if they're going to be able to afford it from the first conversation that we have with them. Okay. So truly, that is the biggest thing. And I'm totally going to repeat it because oftentimes families are like, I cannot afford this. My Mm -hmm. mom is 81. I want her to live to 107 and she just doesn't have it. But in the state of New Jersey, you're just required to pay privately for two years before Medicaid would pick up the cost of assisted living. Oh, so you just you just need to pay for two years or if and when your financial assets deplete. If you have more than two years, that's fine. I see. Um, but you would spend down those financial assets or you would pay privately for two years. You would have to apply for New Jersey State Medicaid mm-hmm. um, pending your approval. And then New Jersey State Medicaid would pick up the cost of assisted living. Interesting. I've had We've had residents move from out of state to New Jersey because of that policy. Oh, wow. Um, So it's really incredible. We feel really lucky. Um, And then another thing that's really amazing um, about Brandywine is that, so every assisted living community in New Jersey is required to reserve 10% of their assisted living apartments for Medicaid eligible residents. Okay. Um, That's a standard. So they absolutely have to have that reservation of 10% of apartments. Um, Brandywine is proud to um, guarantee our families that when they're on Medicaid, when they are approved for Medicaid, that we would supersede that 10%. So when you spend on your assets, it doesn't matter if we're at 8% or 14% of Medicaid in our building, you're staying in our community. So we would never move a resident solely based off of their financial eligibility, and that's a big deal. Wow, yeah. So other communities can reserve the right to say to families, we've met our 10%, we don't have a Medicaid apartment available for you at this time, you would have to move to another community or a nursing home. Oh, Um, Brandywine doesn't do that. Okay. So we say to our families in the beginning, we're so proud that you've chosen us um, and we wouldn't be at Brandywine if at the end, we say, we don't have anything available for you. You have to move out now mm, right. because of your finances. So I think that that's something that gives the families peace of mind. Um, and, and we put it in writing. Yeah, we, we put it in writing. It's in the contract. We sign off on it um, where a lot of communities won't do that. They won't. They they say we've met our ten percent. They use it as a minimum, but they also use it as their maximum as well. And they say we just don't have the availability for you. So, to give the families that peace of mind, we will put it in writing and we'll guarantee that they can stay in the community. Um, you know, based based upon that that financial status. Okay. So really, it's just so many phone calls we've gotten from families saying, I can't afford this. Um, where can I go? And we just say, we set them down and we say, you just have to really afford the two-year private pay spend down. Okay. Let's look at that. Um, and we're always willing to have a conversation. Any family can give us a phone call and we can kind of walk them through that because in addition to wanting the best for your parent, then you also have to look at the finances. Right. So that's also scary. It is. Um, and oftentimes too, you know, we can only give so much advice. So we will refer out to a financial attorney because we're not attorneys, but, um, Mm -hmm. Or accountant. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But it kind of takes um, a huge, you know, load off thinking like, okay, well, then what does two years look like? I'm here trying to plan for 20, but if I just have to have them afford two or four years, then maybe this is an option. Right, right. Um, And that's something that we really wish and 
want families to know is that it's not as heavy as it seems. Interesting. Um, so yeah. it sounds much more attainable than, yeah. than most people probably yeah. perceive it to mm -hmm. be. Which and is we get great. it. This is a conversation that people don't want to have to begin with. So then on top of that, they might think like, oh, well, I can't even afford it. So I'm just going to stay home. Mm -hmm. Well, and a lot of times, too, there's families that they don't even really take into consideration or they don't think about um, and not at any fault of their own. They just don't even kind of put they don't think about that big picture. So if, you know, if mom or dad is living at home and their, you know, their home is paid, there's no mortgage, there's no lien on the home, but they're still paying taxes. Mm -hmm. They're paying for the upkeep. We need to put a new roof on, um, you know, the utilities, uh, just, you know, to get the garbage picked up, all of those expenses you're not going to have those anymore. Right. So that's something to, you know, to also con put into to factor into the, the whole financial picture. Okay. So are there di different types of living situations? My um, grandmother lives in, like I said, this assisted living facility in Ohio, and she has her own apartment. Um, but, and she has her own kitchen and she's decorated exactly like her old, um, every apartment I've, I've ever been in of hers. That's and my favorite like, part of seeing how it like how they do it. Yeah. Oh my God, I know. It looks like a more condensed version of like how she's always lived yeah. basically. And so she cooks when she wants to. She's like famous for making great pound cake, but for the most part she dines with like the other residents. Mm -hmm. And, um, but that's nice that like, I think, I think she likes that she has the option, right? Where the, she can still live like, you know, autonomously and just on her own if she wanted to, if she, you know, she's not trapped there but at the same time i think she has like embraced the community and is really like you know enjoys the happy hours and all of the the uh, i wouldn't say drama but all of the things that happen there, <laughs> there um, there's so much um <laughs> there's so many stories that we get and the different you know the the friends that she's made and the, the gossip the, the gossip is hysterical <laughs> um the you know when i went like just a couple times i was like noticing one woman she was going over and telling the other woman not to do that and she was breaking the rules and then my grandmother's like oh she's always in everyone's business and i'm like this is you're all in everyone's business. <laughs> like like this must be so much fun every day just like watching what everyone's doing and then oh she's like well, she's just my grandmother's Irish. She's like, oh, well, she's just too much, and you know, like, and uh, and um, it sounds like a very, couple of our residents. It must be so entertaining. So I'm sure it's the same. It is. Uh, I think that um, one of my favorite things about coming into work is yes, we do work. I love working with Nicole. She cracks me up. But then the residents can just come into our office. Mm -hmm. and just chat mm -hmm. about their life, about the drama going on at the community. So you said they, they date too? They're yeah. dating? They yeah. Date. Oh my, so they date like with people that they meet there or they'll date, they, I mean, or where do they meet versa. people? Um, in the dining room or at happy oh hour. <laughs> um, or we have men's club because we have a really good group of gentlemen um, and then the ladies get jealous so then they try and crash men's club or just a new resident coming into the community. I think that's They're one like of on my alert. favorite parts. Yeah. When a new resident comes into the community, oh everybody God. is on high alert and they're, you yeah. know, which, where are they moving to? And, you know, they, they, what they, apartment, what table? The buzz, the buzz. <laughs> like, and the ladies like, is it a man? Oh my God. 
<laughs> and then the men equally are like, are there any ladies here? Um, and it's okay if you don't want to date, but it really is. They're still living. They're still living vibrant lives. And um, sometimes partners move in together too, right? Yeah. Yeah. Because so I, I, knew, I knew that too. We actually have nine couples wow. in our community. Um, I kind of call Nicole a couple guru because she like handles a lot right of there, their- <laughs> I, That's what I attract. I attract all the husbands and wives. And so when we are working through moving somebody in and going through that process, for some reason, I just get it's it times two. It's always Nicole. Times two, I'm, I'm the couple guru. But it's incredible because, you know, having a husband and wife move to us, um, it's so many different dynamics, right? So it is a downsize. And then you're also thinking about the different care levels. So oftentimes we have couples come in, one's at a higher care level, maybe one's more independent. So then it's even more vital to kind of link them to Mm -hmm. residents in the community so they have their own group. Um, We have a couple of, of husband and wives that live separately in our community. So wow. that's an option too. Sometimes when I mean, my husband I doesn't fold the laundry, I'm like, I get it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I don't I've said this many times that I've been like gotten given looks, but like I don't understand why we have to share rooms with There's, our spouse. Why does like my daughter get her own room and I have no room? It makes sense. <laughs> but also too, just you know, generationally, I remember my, you know, great grandmother and my great grandfather, they slept in separate Beds. Beds. Yes. Yes. My so it was like Lucy and Desi. Honestly. I mean, that, like, I end up sleeping in my daughter's because my daughter has, like, a bunk bed. So sometimes, like, depending on the snoring level, I'm giving way too much information. My husband's going to be like, thanks, Kate. Thanks I know. So I, I thought my husband was like, I do fold the laundry sometimes. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, but, uh, yeah, I don't understand the whole, like, cohabitating. Like, I, I'll, you know, we can live together. You could be comfortable in your own apartment yeah. and then mm-hmm. see your hubby down the hall. They dine together. Yeah. They go to activities together, but that, you know, come it's time to shut the lights and go to bed and they're bye, see you later. And they kiss each other goodnight. That's and, so interesting. Yeah. And they huh. check in on each other throughout the day. It really is. The dynamics are just amazing to watch firsthand and, and be a part of. Wow. And especially to kind of see that stress relief, too. So when they move in, you know, maybe they are coming from a home where they've shared a bedroom or a whole home. Yeah. Um, and we do also have couples that live together, too. But immediately once other things are taken care of, they're like, oh, we could just enjoy each other again. Um, so that's really incredible to watch. I do think one of my one of my favorite parts is just seeing the residents every single day. Mm-hmm. They really make me feel so great. Yeah. The ladies will compliment my heels or they'll be like, your outfit looks great or your outfit doesn't look great. Wow. <laughs> are most of them social or are they all kind of different? Most of them are very social. Um, I think that any given time you can come into the community and, you know, just seeing the residents in their environment where they feel like it's their home. Mm-hmm. And I've had families say to me, you know, they took their um, mom out for Mother's Day or they were away for Thanksgiving. And they, the you know, the son or the daughter will come to me and say, mom said she wanted to go home. Yeah. And they said, mom, you know, you don't have your home anymore. And they said, she said, no, Brandywine. So that is just, that fills my heart. And I just, I also love to, you know, even like Rebecca said, coming into the community, there's something different every single day. (laughs) You know, I mean, I'm like, I don't know what goes on after the, you know, after the concierge goes home at eight o'clock at night. (laughs) Um, 
but uh, you know they're they're interested in our lives as well yeah. um, because I, I feel like it just we are now their extended family mm. so they'll come in they'll look at pictures and um, you know ask how things are in our lives and um, they recognize when you know it's just an energy in the community so they recognize when we're happy they recognize when we're not happy okay. <laughs> they yeah. recognize when we're stressed so um, it is and it, it's it's really is having like an extended family oh wow I think some I think I have more photos of the residents on my phone, <laughs> my phone than my own husband <laughs> and I and I it just goes back to it just being such an honor you know when when families move to us they're becoming a part of the Brandywine family and we truly spend more time with each other but also the residents like it's just such an incredible honor to hear about their lives be a part of their lives and spend time with them every single day they crack us up they they give us advice um, yeah. and I think it just goes back to too you know the team and the people that are in the community that you're choosing, like you want to feel comfortable and confident mm -hmm. um, in that team and how long they've been there and things like that. So we're so lucky um, to have a team that has been at, at Brandywine for a very long time. So um, down from care managers to nurses, mm. we're talking 10, 15, 17 plus years yeah. at our community. I think that that says a lot for um just the consistency mm. in the residents' lives. And it probably, I don't know if there's any data on this, but if, I, I would think that it must keep them alive in some respects too, because there's something to get up for and attend and go to and socialize with rather than like, we were talking about this over the weekend and I envisioned myself, my like my great grandmother, she had her house until she was, I don't know how old she was when she passed, but I think up closer to like 95. And she oh. had like a manual lawnmower and she mowed the lawn like on her own. And she was very like that. That's where I see myself. But at the same time, like you don't know, you know, where you think you're going to be. And in some respects, you know, thinking about it now, after talking to you both, it might be more, you know, alienating and much more like lonely, like type of life and in those years, right? So is, is that the case that like... We actually, um, you know, I think we kind of touched on it a little bit earlier, but we we talked about seeing them through the, you know, not just the move-in process, but also when it does come to um, sometimes, you know, that end of life right? Um, and what that experience looks like. Families have come to us and said, you know, after their loved one has passed and they've come to us and they it's it's just so emotional. Mm -hmm. um, and they've said they, they thank us and they say, we just want to thank you because um, we see how much joy was brought into our mom's life every single day. Right. And, um, you know, the care that she received and the love that she was given. And she wouldn't have had that being at home in her own home. You know, mm. yeah, that might have been her wish. Ultimately, it's everybody's wish. Nobody wants to leave their home. Um, but we know that this was the best place for her. She received the best, the highest quality care. And, um, you know, you made this experience beautiful down to her last breath. Wow. And that to me is like one of, I mean, it is sad yeah. when it when it happens because they're like our family members like we said but um just knowing that we were part of something um beautiful right. and we were part of that experience and um you know it wasn't 
it, 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 we made it, it wasn't sad. Like it, you know, I mean, yes, we, we don't like to lose our residents, but the families actually say that they wouldn't have been able to do it without us. And that is just, that's heartwarming too. Yeah. That's incredible. I'm similar to you or prior to working right. at Brandywine. So I actually used to be a director of a home care office. Okay. Um, so I was like, staying home is great. I love, you know, having the opportunity to keep people at home. Um, and then I saw kind of the opposite right. of the kind of lifestyle and the social aspect instead of kind of sitting at home and watching your favorite TV show or just like talking. Being to more sedentary. Yeah. yeah. Um, I get that. Right. I love being a couch potato. Right. But then seeing the opposite at a, at a senior community and I just knew I had to be a part of it. Right. Um, it really just kind of breathes like new life back into back into residence. And I, we say to families, you know, they're. We get it. There's no place like home, um, but we could be a really great second option. Right. So if you look at it that way, then they're like, okay, well then let me consider this because mm -hmm. we're not trying to compete with home mm -hmm. at all. We're not. Um, you can bring your dog and your cat, but oh, you can. Um, yeah, you can have a pet. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> we have a beautiful Labrador on our first floor. Um, she's just the sweetest. So then we just get to hang out with the pets. <laughs> she is. She's very sweet. The resident, she keeps her door open. So everybody walks by and greets the dog and pets the dog. And like this dog has now probably had never had so much love <laughs> in its oh, whole entire yeah. life. And we've kind of adopted it into our community. So. Oh, that's so interesting. Yeah. So you can bring your pet. That'll be me. You, I, you can bring your pet. Always have dogs, always. I would get a third dog if I could, but I don't have the space. You could bring him to Brandywine. It's like, it's like instead of having more children, I just started getting dogs. <laughs> They're nicer sometimes. I know. My husband's like, that's not your baby. Because I'm like, oh, my baby. He's like, it's not a person. Stop it. Wait, I say the same thing, I know, too. I all the Even time. my residents, I'm they're like, like, how's the baby? And I'm like, Jasper's doing great. Yeah. He's an yeah. Australian shepherd. Yeah. Yes. Um, and I'm like, oh, look at you. You don't talk back. Exactly. <laughs> so true. Yeah. You don't have to send them to college and they sit on your lap and they just want to love you. So. Yeah. <laughs> and that's something that you can bring. So bring your pet, bring your dog. Right. Um, come make new friends. Go to happy hour. Yeah. And, and you know, when you're moving into your apartment, we want you to set it up and, and make it your own. Right. You know, if you want the walls painted, we'll paint the walls. You know, hang pictures. Bring your favorite throw. Um, you know, sometimes the biggest debate is the family wants to, you know, get all brand new furniture. And we're like, no, bring in the furniture yeah. from, you know, 1945 <laughs> and, you know, make set it up just like their home. And and so it feels more comfortable. It feels welcoming. And, mm. and also, too, from a safety point, they can navigate the apartment better if you can if you set it up to kind of have it mirror what their apartment, what their home looks like. Right. Right. So interesting. Yeah. Um, so tell me, Brandywine has how many locations in, uh, you said 31 across the Northeast? 31 across the East Coast. East Coast. When I first started, it was told to me that um, our CEO, Brenda Bacon, always wanted to be within driving distance of her communities because she's still very much involved in the day-to-day. -day. Wow. I, I think it's something that also is so incredible and we're so lucky. Um, we're very proud to represent her and just Brandywine as a whole, but um, we still talk to her every mm -hmm. single week. Mm -hmm. Wow. Our, the CEO of Brandywine, we talk to every Tuesday. She says, you know, Nicole, Rebecca, how is the Sycamore? How are the residents? How are you doing? Um, and I think that that is just so invaluable. Yes, it truly is. Honestly. It's very significant. It's a great leadership is not yeah. common, unfortunately. So it's, uh, it's, 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 
a really we're nice so thing lucky. To, yes, yeah. if there is ever something that we come across that you know we're we're maybe not sure of, you know, we can pick up the phone and have direct access to her. It's not she she wouldn't she wouldn't flinch if we had any questions for her, brought something to her. But I also feel like she empowers us to make the right decision based upon what's best for that person and best for the resident. So you don't feel micromanaged, not at no. all. Right? No, mm-hmm. we feel empowered to help families. That's great. Truly. I love it. And um, how many Monmouth County locations? Five. 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 So you're in uh, Shrewsbury, Cold Shrewsbury, Snack, right? Shrewsbury, Cold Snack, um, English Town, Wall, and Howell. Okay. And some Ocean County as well, I think you mentioned. Tom's River and two in Brick. Okay. And how can everyone find you? Um, so you can Google Brandywine Living at the Sycamore. Um, you can also just Google Brandywine Living. Okay. Um, our website will take you to our community. Our faces are mm-hmm. on the website. I they look are. at that photo. <laughs> um, or you can always just do um, an online inquiry or you can just call us. Mm-hmm. Um, once you call the main number and you speak to either Nicole or I, we're going to give you our cell phone. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that's kind of like a family's lifeline mm-hmm. because these families Families are already stressed to begin with, and we'll tell them, you know, nothing in life prepares you for this. Right. But that's why we're here. So truly, you have our cell phone. Any little question is big to us. Okay. So we're kind of handholding through the entire process. Okay. Um, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure learning more about this really important topic. What would you say just to anyone out there that's, you know, kind of maybe a little stressed about getting, um, you know, embarking on on this uh, journey with their aging parents at the moment? I would just say that there's there are so many resources, you know, no matter no matter what it is. Um, you know, and, and sadly, there is, you know, diagnosis of dementia and Alzheimer's and Parkinson's. And, um, you know, so more from even just a medical aspect too. just no matter what it is, it's, you know, don't be afraid to pick up the phone. I mean, we have just because we've done this for as long as we have, it doesn't make it any easier. And we know that, you know, mm-hmm. it doesn't just because we've done it. It doesn't make any easier on you. So um, just know that we are here to be a resource. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we're here to help. And like Rebecca said, even if it's not our community, we're going to point you in the right direction and try to assist you as much as possible to get you through probably one of the most difficult times in your life. Great. I'd say so. Yeah, it truly is just our honor to help families. So don't hesitate to call us. We'll kind of walk them through whatever works. So yeah, and even if it's you know if it comes down to where they're not financially qualified, mm-hmm. um, we're going to be able to point them in a direction to get them in touch with somebody who can help them. Mm-hmm. So you know, again, it's not just about moving somebody into the brandy wine. It's yeah. just about helping them um, in the most vulnerable stage in their life and and being a resource. Wow. Well, thank you so much. And this thank is, you so oh, much. No, this is great. This is I, fun. Super, super important. <laughs> and um, I learned a lot. So thank you. And uh, looking forward to learning more about your organization and uh, bringing some valuable info to the community. We appreciate Definitely. you. Thank, thank you. you. Uh, coming up this summer, it's summertime. My daughter just uh, had her last day yesterday. So officially summertime and went straight into camp this morning. So we are now in summer mode. We're a little early in Monmouth County because we're due um, Catholic school. So they get out like a couple weeks earlier than I think some of the public schools. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, look for our summer fun guide that just came out. Um, we have lots of lots of information out there. We have all the fireworks that are in each town, um, all the 
upcoming events, fairs, festivals, everything happening in Monmouth County this season. We have uh, local things to do, events, activities, free things to do. That's my favorite part um, to things to do with the kids in the summer. Just get them out right into different parks and fossil hunting and the Monmouth County Park System. I can't say enough about it. It's like so tremendous and has so many great things for the yeah. kids to do. Um, so a whole uh, like idea list in there of, of local um, fun and then uh, different resources that you'll need all summer long. So bookmark that, look it up and reference it all season so you um, don't run out of ideas because <laughs> it can be a long summer if you uh, are not prepped and planned like me. I have like one and a half weeks of camp and then I'm like, I don't know what we're doing. But I like wing it every summer. I'm like, everyone is always like, Kate, you must know like what's going on. I'm like, I have no idea. I like I have literally like I put all this stuff on the site and like I'm working on different things. But like my, I'm like, you know, they say the mechanics car is like oh yeah. it was broken it's very similar mm -hmm. circumstances i have no clue what i'm doing this spontaneous summer, is fun so look for that um, we also have our guide to beaches and pools that just came out so um, if you're new to if you just moved to monmouth county or you're just looking to switch it up all the different pools, pool clubs, beach clubs, and then all the beaches too, we update every year. So like all the different beach um, pass information, daily passes, if you wanted to get a seasonal pass, there have all the lists of the local beaches in Monmouth County on there. And then lastly, our outdoor dining guide, which is my favorite one that we do every year. So we update it with all the different places to go down, dine outside, down uh, the shore, or just outside in general, a great restaurants that are some favorites. So looking to add some to, I, have a, I do a summer bucket list every year. So I try Ooh, to like chip away. I just started my bucket list. Yeah. <laughs> um, so my daughter and I try to do that, but it's all, I, I'm a, I love, my favorite thing to do is, is go out to restaurants. So I'm excited to try some new ones. So check that out. That's, um, has some, uh, some new ones on there and some old goodies that are a great, um, great pastime for summer in Monmouth County. And that is about it. So thanks for joining everyone. Thank See you, you next time. Thank you.